on State Route 10 in Walton, open Tuesday through Saturday for disposal and recycling, reminding patrons to keep trips to the center at a minimum due to higher than normal volume. Delaware County Solid Waste Management Center hours of operation and information about materials and disposal fees at 607-832-5800. Main Street Gallery in Fleischmann's. Designed as a space to support a vibrant and active artistic community nestled within the Catskill Mountains. Presenting Motel, a mixed-media installation of politically inspired work by artist Dan Herlin based on a puppet play about a young woman coming to the U.S. for the first time on view through Sunday, September 18. More info about 1053 Main Street Gallery and Fleischmann's and upcoming exhibitions at 1053MainGallery.com. Hi, I'm Kent Garrett, inviting you on board the 801 weekday mornings on WIOX Roxbury. Community radio in the Catskills. We have local, state, national, and world news at 91.3 FM and on MTC Channel 20. And for the rest of the world at WIOXradio.org or just tell your smart device to play WIOX. Okay, you're listening to WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM, MTC Cable TV Channel 20 on the campus of SUNY Delhi at 107.5 FM, worldwide at WIOXradio.org and on any mobile device radio FM app. This is From the Forest. Every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., talk about a different forest-related topic with Ryan and Zane. Zane, how's it going? Good. How you doing? All right. What have you been up to? Well, nothing much lately, but today I saw something pretty interesting. I pull over to the side of the road uh, near Shandaken, and uh, the spot of the Asopus that runs along close there caught my eye. Um, I've been watching some mergansers up and down the stream there. 
um, diving for trout, I imagine. So I was watching them for a little bit. Oh, yeah? Pretty neat. No kidding. Well, I'm still on crutches, so I haven't seen all that much. Um, I basically do laps around my yard, but um, the drought is having its way a little bit with trees, uh, especially uh, trees that seem to need more moisture, like dogwoods, I noticed. Flowering mm-hmm. dogwood is really hurting. Um, there's just a lot more leaf diseases than I would have expected with such low hum- um, low uh, moisture, but I guess uh, they are they're getting a little stressed. Yeah, it is odd. I've noticed that, too. I've heard a lot of stories of uh, leaf diseases, a lot of uh, bad rotted fruit dropping from trees earlier than expected. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing that's doing well fruit-wise in my neck of the woods is uh, grapes. My grapes are doing great. They like this California weather we're having. But um, tonight we're going to be talking about logging's ongoing public relations battle with New Jersey forester Bob Williams. He's been on before. He's the owner and founder of Pine Creek Forestry. He has an associate's degree in forestry in 1972 from Centralia College and a bachelor's from the Forestry College at Rutgers, 1975. 43 years experience in the field of forestry. Uh, Experience includes working for Washington State DNR, the U.S. Forest Service in Alaska and Washington, and Scott Paper Company as a logging engineer. Since 1985, Bob has worked as a consulting forester in New Jersey, working with both private and public landowners to achieve management and stewardship goals for natural resources. And let me see if I can get Bob on. Bob, are you there? I am here. All right. I can hear you loud and clear. And how are you? I'm doing good. I hope you guys are doing good, too. Yeah, the humidity cracked last night, and uh, it's seeming... um, like fall weather's coming. Kind of the same here. It's a little warm, but the humidity has finally given us a break. Nice. What have you been up to since uh, I know you've been on twice on From the Forest? Well, I've been uh, managing a lot of forests um, and uh, doing a little journalism, forestry, trying to help the public better understand what, what we're talking about. You think it's uh, sticking or what? I think it's very difficult. Yeah. I think we have a public that is largely uh, disconnected to their natural world or the land around them. And um, I, I think it's it's difficult to get through. Yeah, so the reason why we're doing this show, you wrote an article recently in the Forest Landowners Association. Is that right? Yes, yes. Okay, I mean, what, what prompted you to, to write this? Well, a couple things. Um, certainly, I feel that we foresters need to do a better job of, of explaining the issues around what we do. And, of course, logging, I can't think of a more controversial word. Um, and logging itself is what gets the people's backs up when they see us taking trees out of the forest. And... Um, I sort of wrote this article to call out the hypocrisy of of how forestry has been demonized. Um, yeah, go basically ahead. logging. I would say logging forestry as well has been demonized. But yeah, yeah. You talked about used the uh, the phrase forest advocacy. Um, do you want to talk about that? Sure. Um, <clears throat> I've done a lot of journalism. I've written in many national magazines, uh, non-forestry magazines, newspapers, uh, 
I made a video once, a one-hour show. I'm participating in a, a major uh, American uh, forest fire uh, uh, show that's being done by EarthX. I personally believe that uh, we're few in numbers in the in the world of forestry and logging. We're we're rather our numbers are small compared to the population. And it's unfortunate that we have to go out and advocate for what we do, but we have no choice. Um, a doctor, you know, a heart surgeon doesn't have to do a whole lot of advocating to say, look, I, I need to do some things here and hmm. help you with your heart. But if I go out to say, look, I need to help this forest, many times I'm almost crucified. So, you know, if we don't advocate, who will? I don't know. Uh, and and I think logging and forestry, logging as a subset of forestry, is, is not alone in rural land uses or the sabotage thereof, I'll be honest. I would agree. I think a lot of farming activities are, are really uh, misunderstood and, and certainly not appreciated when the people that criticize it need the very wood or food that that land produces. Yeah. So, Bob, let's let's define the terms a little bit. What, what, how would you define logging? Um, it might be simple to you, but for someone who's, you know, maybe they don't know what it is exactly. Well, logging is the the uh, removal of trees within a forest, um, cutting them down, processing them in in different ways, and removal of that wood fiber out onto a highway then to uh, uh, an end uh, intermediate use of production of could be paper could be wood could you know could be a basket whatever and that, and that wood is all then you know to the end user of, of our citizens so that's about as simple as I can make it uh, in regards to forestry you know I've been doing this a long time in logging is certainly uh, one of the very main tools that we need to, uh, you know, manage the forest. There are other tools. We use fire. We use pre-commercial thinning where we don't remove trees. We may cut competitive brush. I mean, so there's many things we do beyond logging, but logging really uh, is a major, major uh, foundational tool uh, to manage forests. Something to say, Zane? Um, yeah, so the relationship between like a forest manager or a forester between a logger, um, could probably go over that again. Well, <clears throat> it's an important relationship, and I've known loggers. I met my first logger as a boy actually out in Washington State. I went out there on vacation to be with my uncle, and he was having a piece of property he had uh, logged. And I went out, and there was a an interesting man. His name was Shorty Gillette. I remember him after all those years. And him and his wife were logging the Douglas fir. They had a an old deuce-and-a-half army truck with a boom winch, and they would cut the trees and put them on the truck and take the sell them to the mill. So that was my introduction. And, of course, through the years, I've met many, many, many 
uh, loggers and their families. And um, I think that relationship is really important to a forester because you want the loggers to um, apply their skills uh, to get the, the end results that you want. And the more you know them, the more you appreciate them, the more they're wanting to uh, reach the same uh, result. They, 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 they want to please you and the landowner. They certainly want to be able to come back maybe to that property or have me refer them to another property. So it's a really important uh, relationship between a forester and a logger. And uh, I think we foresters can also help loggers be more prepared to explain to people what it is they're doing. Um, I mean, they may be really good at what they do, but if they're not able to articulate that to someone who pulls up and wants to complain, um, mm -hmm. you know, that's 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 not so good sometimes. Um, yeah, because those so are... That, that, oh, well, I was going to say, those are two titles that are usually kind of uh, uh, confused by members of the public who don't know the big difference between a logger and a forester um, and uh, it's something kind of you have to decipher with more questioning with a landowner to get them to talk to the right person well I think that's done purposely I think they want mm -hmm. uh, I, I think there is a, a segment of our, our society that has done a really good job of painting logging as a really destructive exploitive thing Mm -hmm. And I think they also would like to lump uh, me as a forester in with them, that I am nothing more than a logger who wants to take all the trees, and I don't care about what happens. And and and, and, and that has, you know, really precipitated me writing that article and saying, well, that's just not true, and it's not even remotely true. Yeah. And... Um, I would respond and say the fact of the matter is our society, uh, not just here in in our country, in the United States, but in many, many countries, um, our way of life, our quality of life, our economy, uh, the quality of our environment uh, is sustained in large part by loggers. I mean, everything we do in our lives every day requires the use of wood fiber. And that's just a fact, whether people want to uh, admit that to themselves or not. And um, so loggers are really, if there's anything that's essential, they are. It's a resource, too, that is renewable and sustainable. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand that either. Uh, what makes forestry, from your point of view, a sustainable uh, resource? Well, you know, forestry um, can encompass a wide range of um, meaning, uh, when, where, how uh, we cut trees or we manage a forest can be very complicated. But um, I think the basic uh, principles of understanding that this is probably one of the most renewable, sustainable resources on the planet. Um, we're harvesting trees here in southern New Jersey uh, on forest land that has been harvested 
up to five times before me. So the beautiful forest that I'm trying to manage is, in one sense, is the direct result of previous uh, logging, you know. So uh, this idea that it somehow is not sustainable and we're uh, ruining the forest forever is, is just not true. Now, having said that, I've seen bad logging and I've seen things done to forests that, that um, shouldn't have been done and, and uh, we don't we don't support that and I think we don't get enough credit that we're, we're talking about the 21st century we're not talking about the 1800s where the land was basically exploited and, and cut over and left to be whatever but we're lumped in with that and and that assumption and um, really is significant that we're just doing bad things but we're actually the the best green deal we could have we're not we're not part of the new green deal but we certainly are we've been a, we've been a green deal uh long before there was ever even the concept of a, a new green deal yeah i would i would call uh loggers and foresters the original environmentalist in my opinion but we're we're uh, if you're just tuning in uh, you're listening to From the Forest. Tonight's topic is logging's ongoing public relations battle with New Jersey forester Bob Williams. Bob, um, I remember years ago there was a guy, he was a local guy running for town office in uh, near Margaretville. And good guy, um, really good guy. He's no longer with us, but uh, I miss him. And I remember overhearing someone in a store saying, I will not vote for him because he's a logger. So why do you think... Logging is a four-letter word. Where did that perception come from? How did it occur, in your opinion? And if it's inaccurate, which I probably think you think it's inaccurate, who's spreading it? Well, I think the negativity of the word logging comes from, um, as you know, um, when we log a forest, uh, many times it, it's not very pretty and it's not aesthetically pleasing. Um, extremists have built upon that initial negative view of, of logging and, and built upon that as perception as, look how bad this really is. Um, and they've succeeded, I believe, in, in you know, uh, pushing that forward to convince people that uh, that word logging means something bad. Um, I think it's intentional. I, I think it still is a major um, tool they use to, to perpetuate that myth. Uh, but we understand that if you were to look at, which we had recently down here, uh, the, the aftermath of a tornado, that looks pretty destructive too, if not more so than logging. Pretty, pretty awful. Uh, same results from, you know, severe uh, wildfire, um, and those forests will respond similar to when we we harvest trees. You know, it's, it's called regeneration. These forests have, across North America have been regenerating for thousands of years, but I think their main power comes from that initial the public who knows none of this it's not very difficult to get them to look at a logging job and say look this is horrible 
these trees were beautiful and the birds used to be up in the crowns and now there's nothing, you know. But the truth of the matter is, uh, which isn't explained ever, is that, that that forest almost immediately within a day begins to go through that process of, of regeneration and, and uh, renewal of, of, you know, they like this word sustainable. Well, we've been sustaining the forest for a long, long time before they ever even started throwing that word around. But that, that the look of logging, you know, the aesthetics of it, some logging we do, we certainly, the forest can look better. You know, there's a wide range of how we remove trees uh, from the forest. Uh, so that, that and uh, aesthetic result immediately after logging is, is really variable as well. But they will hook on to the worst and say, you know, they just destroyed the land. And, uh, and they typically refuse to re- revisit the site, say, three years later or five years later when there's a beautiful young young forest well on its way um but so that's my best explanation or, or understanding yeah. of it you're saying in aesthetics overrides the wisdom of environmentalism or any kind of knowledge and ecology yes. and stuff yeah yes emotion you know yeah. how it makes them feel the emotion instead of seeking well what's really going on here you know but I do think it's hypocritical to feel that way and then go home and live in your wooden house and um, have your fire pit out back and enjoy, you know, the, the comfort of a little campfire with your, your family. And um, But that would comes from somewhere that these people don't have to see, I guess. And, and also I think foresters, as you said before um, about loggers, not if, you know, they can be good at what they do, but if they don't describe what they're doing or stand up for what they do, you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, enabling this. And I totally agree with that because I go to some meetings once in a while, unfortunately, whether it's an Environmental Conservation Commission meeting or a town board meeting or whatever, and, you know, some of the stuff you hear is just completely false. Um, or there's ordinances that just discriminate blatantly against logging. You know, instead of the weight of a truck, it's a, lo- a logging truck. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. and and no one says anything. You know what I mean. So it, I think it's our like you said before. Initially, we have to say something. Have to. Well, uh, I've been in this business of of forestry for a long, long time, and I'll 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 criticize my own. It's just that um, I think um, if you look at the bigger forest industry. And the 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 uh, industries that rely on the supply of wood simply don't make the sort of investment in public relations uh, to help educate uh, our general public, you know, what their needs are and how we can provide that without hurting the environment. They, in my opinion, I mean, here in New Jersey. You know, we have 9 million people. So these 9 million people wake up every day and need wood. They they do in, in some fashion. So at the end of the year, the need of wood by the citizens of New Jersey probably required, I'll use a conservative calculation I made, about 50,000 acres of trees to be cut. 
to, to supply this this need, whether it's building, firewood, uh, their wooden furniture, uh, their uh, wood siding, their wood deck. What you, you all know that the, the the hundreds of about thousands of of needs of wood, and well, that wood should come from where, over where. So the other day. And thinking about what I might say here today, I, I went over to my local big box store. I won't use the name, uh, but everybody has them. And uh, so I found on the labels of wood in the wood section, 13 different uh, foreign countries. Now, someone has to help me understand, while if we're if, – if we're, Concerned, which I am about this climate issue, that it's okay that we ship our wood in to New Jersey to supply our nine million citizens with the with the wood they need, which to keep their quality of life. Uh, that we can ship it from Ecuador, New Zealand, South Africa, Russia, China, New Zealand. Um, I could go on and on. Estonia, you know, uh, and, and yet if I were to suggest we go down to our uh, local 40,000-acre wildlife management area and it, try to improve uh, habitat or, um, you know, the health of the forest or, or what have you, do some restoration work, I'd probably be run out of town on a rail. So the hypocrisy of what we're seeing now in the world of logging and forestry really is beyond explanation in my view. We should be using our own forest and taking care of them and stopping all this carbon uh, leakage that comes from shipping wood from all over the planet on boats, trains, and trucks uh, when when our, our, our country is a wood basket. In addition to that, we could be uh, demonstrating to other places on the planet of, of how to be truly stewards of our forest. This doesn't add up. I'm not opposed to uh, you know climate policy. I want our forest to play the major role of uh, storage of carbon, but you can't separate that out uh, the, the world, uh, Earth acts as a, a unit. Now, today I saw an article where there's a, the, a firewood crisis in Poland and Germany. And our friend uh, who is from Poland just returned from vacation, and she was explaining to me how the government of Poland is restricting the firewood allotments to, to individual homeowners and the homeowners, which her mother is one of them, is saying, I won't be able to make it through through the winter. Uh, they need four cords of wood, and they're allotted one cord. So something wrong, folks. And uh, loggers and foresters are the key to uh, the resolution of, of some of these really important problems. But we're not, we're not even invited to the table, in my view. We're seen as part of the problem, and that's just not true. It's not true on any level. Um, uh, 
I don't know what else to say. Let me just say one thing. I'll play devil's advocate for a second, right? Because I wrote an article recently on in defense of firewood. But a, a common response you hear is, oh, Ryan, not everyone can burn firewood. And if they did, that would be bad. What would you say to that? Well, I'd start out with this. Humankind, when the first people, now I suspect we've been going on for 15 or 20,000 acres or, or 20,000 years for, you know, mankind beginning to, to walk and dominate the earth, even back in the cavemen. Wood has been the essential resource to keep human beings going. It fueled the planet up until probably the 1860s when, when coal and, and, and uh, oil began to... Um, Today, on planet Earth, 75% of the wood used on the planet is used by people to cook their food and keep themselves warm. Now, I'm not suggesting that wood is the answer and we should go chop all our trees down and everybody should get a wood stove. I'm saying it's part of the solution. Right. And it's a major part of the solution. And it's nothing new. It's how it's been done forever. This idea that we would not use wood to, to, to provide us energy, that's a, new, a brand new thing. Hmm. Sawmills have been powering themselves with electricity by burning wood since they began modern sawmilling for 100 years. Hmm. We were the first ones to, to use renewable resource to, to power our, our, our industry or our plants. Yeah, I mean, I would admit, Bob, that I didn't know that until I was in college. And and I was like, wait a second, they power themselves? How come no one knows this? This is so awesome. You know well, what I mean? They don't want to know it. They don't want to know it. They don't. It's amazing. Zane, you were going to say something? Well, um, I wanted to ask you if you, I mean, um, as a forestry advocate, um, advocate of the people who work in the woods, uh, what kind of stories do you have from someone uh Who's on the other side? What do they bring besides just these buzzwords like sustainability, um, green? Um, what are their major points that maybe have made you pause? Um, is it just willful ignorance? Is it just uh, an agenda? But I'm, I'm curious. You mean, what are what are the opponents of logging bring? The the best arguments that you've encountered, the ones that stick with you, even if they. Uh, or still in ignorance, I guess. Well, uh, I can tell you they—they've actually uh, brought me some very good arguments and have allowed me to grow and and change the way I've seen some things through my career. Um, if someone says, "Well, we're going to we're going to log that forest over there," I think a person has every right to say, well, you know, I'm going to make sure, like, what's going on here? Uh, so I'm probably, I've grown tremendously in terms of um, applying a logging prescription uh, that is is not driven by economic return, but is driven by how I want this far as the ecologic function after I'm done. Now, once you start thinking like that, you have to leave money on the table. You're not trying to optimize the financial return on, on what you're doing there. 
Now, having said that, I'm 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 fine with some of our industry folks who have or they're essentially growing tree crops. You know, they have 30-year rotations or 25-year rotations. They're growing wood fiber, and they need to uh, make a profit. They can't make investments that, and we need that volume of wood. So there's different ways of of looking at, you know, well, what do you mean by, so if someone asks me, you know, that's fine what you did over there, Bob, but this guy over here, he cut all of his uh, loblolly pine down, and now he's planting new ones. And and I'd look at that and say, well, well, th- there's a reason for that, and there's a place for that. There is a place for that, and society needs that. The key, and maybe the difficult thing to, to get people to understand, is finding the balance. I don't think it's appropriate to be doing production forestry or intensive forest management or forest conversion on public land. I don't. I think that those are lands that we should be optimizing the ecological integrity, and when we remove trees, there should be ecological objectives. Um, That's what I feel. I I see no no problem with selling the timber and, and utilizing it to do more forest restoration. You know, I think that's a, a, a good thing. So commercially selling trees from public land, I have no problem with that. But we need to find a balance uh, because in the end, the balance would provide us, would optimize all the positive things that, that our forests provide us. And, of course, loggers have the ability to, to you know, the logger is waiting at least my loggers are waiting for me to explain how do you want this done here? What are we doing? What's the objective? Um, they have to make money too. They can't go out and do things because it makes you feel good that you help the forest. In the end, if they're not paid outright, which sometimes they are, they're paid uh, because the, the wood they're producing doesn't uh, make the kind of money they need to make, and sometimes the trees will pay their way. It's sort of a barter, and sometimes the the landowner, whether public or private, actually makes money, which uh, these extremists also seem to hate that, the Mm -hmm. idea that you made money from a tree. My God, you're you're just slaughtering things to make money. Well, that's let's be honest here. That's just nonsense. Mm -hmm. It's just silly. Nobody works for free, right? No, no one. No one everyone's got to. Everyone's got to be compensated. I don't know why anyone would think that's a bad thing that you that you are compensated for your labor. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest. Tonight's topic is logging's ongoing public relations battle with New Jersey forester Bob Williams. Bob, while you're speaking about loggers, who are loggers? You've been working with them a long time. If we had to generalize, I know it's generalizing and that has a bad connotation, but who are these people? What are they mostly like? Why do they get into the work? Yeah. Well, many of them are, are brought in through the family. You know, that's what their dad did, and they, they kind of – I think they're, they're, I think they're sort of the, the, the backbone of – of what Americans are. I mean, they're typically, first off, it's a really hard and dangerous job. I mean, it's, every day you go out into the woods, you could lose a finger, an arm, or be killed. 
It's, it's just it's the nature of the work. Even with our modern equipment, um, which, which certainly has reduced uh, injuries to our loggers, they're typically um, nice people, you know, guys that are, or girls, you know, that, that love the forest, they love being out. And I think many of them like the idea of, 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 of not being constrained in a building or obligated to do a certain task every day because each day is different. You know, each tree is different. So I think they're, uh, I think they're self-starters. Um, I think they want to be productive at the end of the day. They look back over their shoulder and want to say, look, well, we, we did good today. We got a lot of, um, so my experience, um, it, with few exceptions is that they're just really good people, mm. you know, and, um, I, I have so many stories and, and, and memories, and, I'm just, and it's happening today. We're logging today, you know. So I have generational loggers that have probably gone back 80 years on some of these lands that their father, and uh, when I was a boy here, I certainly, when we'd go hunting, it was common that we were hunting around. The interesting thing about southern New Jersey, we never used the word logger. I really didn't hear that word until I was out of college and ended up working in the woods in, in uh, Washington State. The term we used here in southern New Jersey, which people still use, is woodcutter. Hmm. The woodcutters are over there working in the woods. You know, the woodcutters are doing this or the woodcutters, are, you know. We never really used that word logging. And up until the 1960s here, believe it or not, most of the, the wood cut in southern New Jersey was all cut and loaded by hand. They cut the wood into bolts and drove a, an old army truck out into the forest, threw those bolts on that, then took them out to the main truck on the highway, and then, um, and that was different, you know. And there's one person today that still does that. He's 82 years old, and he's still out there cutting wood. I met him yesterday on a new uh, harvest job that he's doing. He works three days a week. And, you know, how do you put something like that into words? You know, I was like, this guy's just great. You can't. Cause he, and, 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 he, and if you say why, it's just like he just loves it. That's why he's still 82 and still doing it. I think now another person who is about 80, he recently had to stop. Uh, he just, you know, it, and, I, and I told him a year ago, like, you, you, you're going to hurt yourself. And he still hasn't gotten over that. He'll come to my office, and I could tell he's just brokenhearted. He, mm. he, can't, he can't work in the woods. So they're the best. You know, that's all I can say, and, and I have no doubt. And I've known loggers in Alaska and lots of loggers in, in Washington when we were logging old-growth trees and, and that kind of thing. And and I've had, you know, plenty of, of travel around the country where for different forestry things where there's a similar trait when you meet them, the family, or it's like, for me personally, I just love it, and I maybe for me it also kind of makes me feel like I'm back in the day, you know, back when 
the pioneers were opening up the land. I don't know how to explain that. But. You know, also, I've, I've realized, like farmers, loggers are extremely optimistic. And while we're generalizing, I feel like a lot of environmentalists are pessimistic. They look at the mountain, they find the one dead tree. And loggers, you can't be a pessimist if you're a logger. Otherwise, because like you said, it's just so dangerous. <laughs> You got to be thinking a little positively when you walk out in the woods with that chainsaw. You yeah, know? environmentalism. Yeah. There, there's there's a certain element of like catastrophism in it. Like if you're not sufficiently worried about the future, you're not caring enough about it. Yeah, and I think that's a huge misperception about people who actually live and work in the woods. They care about the woods. They care about the legacy yeah, they, they leave. Now I would say that you know I will give. Uh, there are a lot of. Believe me, I know a lot of great environmentalists. I, uh, environmentalists have, have helped me understand a lot of things that I did not understand when I began my career. And environmentalists have contributed tremendously to the conservation here in New Jersey. There's a lot of forests we wouldn't, we wouldn't have if environmentalists hadn't advocated for the protection of that land. I kind of think there's a fairly minor component of environmentalism that have the loudest, shrillest voices that seem to capture the media and the politicians. Mm. You know, yeah. and if you, if you know, I like to say, well, well, what have you done? I mean, did did you even plant a tree? Did uh, like I can look back at tens of thousands of acres of land that I've worked on uh, where I've literally cut millions of trees and all I see are magnificent, beautiful forest. Now, that's just a fact. You can tell me I ruined them all you want, but drive around or, or fly out to Washington and look at these areas, and that's what I see. And uh, loggers see that, too. When I take Mr. Weber, who just retired out to a, a, a forest that he cut the pulpwood off of in early 1960s, he's just astounded at the forest that's there now. And he he reflects on that and says, I did a good thing with my life. It's like, I didn't do anything wrong. You know, so that's where I'm coming from on this. It's like, why can't we, we find that balance and get it on with taking care of our land? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, we got some more questions for you coming up here next. Uh, if you're just tuning up, tuning in, you're listening to Logging's Ongoing Public Relations Battle with New Jersey Forester Bob Williams. Baby, do you understand me now? Sometimes I feel a little mad. Don't you know no one alive? When things go wrong, I seem to be bad. Side. I'm just a soul whose intentions are 
misunderstood If I seem edgy, I want you to know That I never mean to take it out on you Life has its problems, I get more than my share And that's one thing I never mean to do Cause I love you All right, that's uh, Eric Burden and the Animals. And uh, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., talk about a different forest-related topic. Tonight's topic is logging's ongoing public relations battle with New Jersey forester Bob Williams. Uh, Bob, we got a lot of material left, but uh, the, f- the show is flying by. What did you want to focus on next? Uh, not sure. I think we've covered things. Um, well, let me like, what's going on in New Jersey? Um, you know, we don't get too many people from out of state. We do once in a while, but we definitely don't get out of state. Foresters. So, what's going on there? Well, I would advise uh, the forestry community, um, whether it's the forester side of it or the forest industry or logging associations, to pay attention to this uh, conflict in New Jersey. Um, we have state forests that are about I think the state owns over 700,000 acres of land and the legislature just created a forest task force and this task force is sort of directed to come up with recommendations for a forest policy and one of the discussions that I participated in this week was, was this very thing this group don't cut a tree, logging is bad. The other group, we think we need logging as a tool for uh, ecological restoration. We're losing some species, and if we don't start doing something with the forest, uh, we have uh, insect problems. So, you know, the standard things that us foresters would say, well, there's at, at times there's a reason that we need to be uh, cutting trees. Um, New Jersey uh, has lost its forest infrastructure. Uh, I have to sell my oak logs to a mill in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. I have to sell my cedar logs to a mill in North Carolina because we don't have the infrastructure to purchase those logs. And none of that makes sense. Uh, And the reason being that People can't afford to make the capital investments in in some of these things that are needed when there's no uh, assured or reliability of of access to wood fiber. So it's been destroyed, and it was destroyed, in my view, purposely. I don't think the government 
uh, or the environmentalists want any forest uh, production at all in New Jersey. And this problem really is a conflict between, I believe, between urban and rural society. Uh, of course, we're highly urbanized in the uh, cities and what have you. Those folks have the votes. And since they're totally disconnected to the land, and I think this is a national problem. I don't think it's it's just New Jersey. Um, the, uh, the legislatures are easily uh, convinced that, oh, you know, because of the climate crisis, we should never cut a tree because trees sequester carbon. Well, uh, if you have an overstocked, uh, thick pine forest, uh, the resilience of that forest is, is declining. The likelihood that it will lose it and lose the carbon to either a wildfire or insects is pretty high. Whereas instead of packing all that carbon in there, trying to in, in the name of trying to save the forest, if we use forestry judiciously, where we do remove some trees and allow the the trees to grow and and sequester carbon and um, grow to an older age, you know, we'll do better. So this urban-rural conflict is at the root of everything, I believe. Um, We see that nationally, the the national forest, the people out west are being burnt out of their their towns. They're losing their recreational businesses. Who wants to go out to these forests? There's nothing left. Um, And we're losing lives. We're losing water quality out there, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just a travesty what's occurring out there. And you look at Congress and you say, are you telling me you, you all can't sit down at the table? We've watched this particularly in the last three or four years where we're losing five, six million acres of, of forest every year on our public forest, which we people in New Jersey have just as much ownership as someone in uh, California. And it's just being decimated. And we hear about, well, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. We just got a billion dollars to whatever. And um, I've been out there many times in recent years to look at this. And I'm I'm just saying, well, here we are, September 1st of 2022. What are you doing? I'm not aware of any significant effort to... uh, and they're not going to do anything without a forest industry. How are they going to uh, – are we supposed to keep spending billions of tax dollars um, when the forest itself could, could be providing those funds to, to do the restoration and, and prevention of, of – uh, but I think that the lawsuits that prohibit that are largely funded by um, people that have no clue and city people, and and, uh, they have no appreciation for what we out here do, yet the day is coming when, you know, maybe farmers and loggers are going to say, we've had enough, go get your own wood, go get your own uh, bread, Uh, go get your own cranberries or blueberries or whatever. We're tired of being demonized as the people that destroy the earth. So... That conflict is real. I think it's growing. And that gets back to my thing about advocacy. Um, The industry that sells lumber, 
uh, the industry, uh, the organizations that represent loggers need to get together and say, look, we need to start producing uh, credible documentaries that, that get on mainstream channels to tell these great stories, not these stupid logging shows that paint loggers as just total nitwits. Buffoons. Uh, yeah. Buffoons. We need uh, an ongoing educational uh, component of our industry where maybe everybody contributes X amount of dollars every year, and there's a, there's a, there's a nice fund of millions of dollars that we could hire great PR people and say, look, we just want to tell our story. The facts are overwhelmingly on our side. And I can tell you personally, um, interfacing with a lot of uh, citizens in New Jersey, a lot of family and friends and what have you, they, they're quite curious, like, well, what do you do? You know, it's pretty consistent when the public gets the facts and understands they're pretty good with forestry and loggers. They're like, I could see what you're talking about. We we need we actually need that. We just want to make sure when and where you do it is is appropriate. And we're like, yeah, you should. We're not we're not opposed to being regulated. That no one that I know is is upset that I may tell a logger, look, we can't work here for these months because we could impact a, a breeding bird. It's like, okay, well, we'll go do that other job and come back there when we can. No one's arguing about these these environmental regulations. It's when the environmental regulations are simply abused to obstruct uh, good things. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is like there's very little cross-pollination. Now, I was lucky um, and blessed that before I even found forestry, I met a logger when I was in high school, my uh, best friend's father. Yeah, thank God, because it just there was cross pollination of ideas. I could I could see what he was doing. I was curious, and it was great. But people don't they don't get that perspective now. That urban rural divide's real, and that I mentioned it before about pessimism. But Bob, you have I went to my kid's school down the road here, and you have second graders who really believe the world's going to end soon. Yeah, how do you convince them that logging is good when they think the world's going to end soon? And meanwhile, we ignore all the good things. You know, in the 1800s, how many environmentalists said we'll never have fisher again, black bear, coyotes, otter? Yeah. They were wrong. The pessimists were wrong. They can be wrong again. They can be wrong again. Well, I, I, I'll just go back to, you know, that educational um, um, – I, I, you, you know, when you look at the, the – the total of our industry and, and our wood products end of things, the wood products end of things, they really have dropped the ball where they should be looking back over their shoulder and saying, you know, we should be funding some of that education by these foresters and loggers because without them, we're not going to have what we need. Yeah. And they have the money to do it. Let's, let's be honest about that. You know, um, we're competing with nonprofit organizations who are using our tax dollars against us, and we're not doing anything. There, you know, you can you can tell me about this group or that group uh, that represents you know some kind of forestry agenda, but I live here in southern New Jersey. My wife is in, certainly in tune with forestry, and I never 
see anything uh, in any way in any magazine, any any uh, TV, any uh, billboard. I, I the word forestry is non-existent, and there's millions of people here. And you you then apply that to northern New Jersey and the New York City area and Philadelphia and its suburbs, and you can see that. We've got mil- tens of millions of people that uh, are, are simply unaware. Uh, th- that's the thing. And they no longer are raised with a connection to the land like I was. And so that problem has to be solved. Um, uh, you know, we're working with a local university where there's some, actually there's some professors who are interested in what I'm talking about. They're saying, you know, that's a good idea. We 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 need to get our students thinking about, you know, when you go to the store and you get all this stuff, where's it come from? The future's got to be made of wood. You know, so uh, as negative as I may be sounding, I had a young forester here this summer for an intern. I told him, um, you know, you listen to me all summer, rant and rave or whatever, but the fact of the matter is there's – never been a more important time or need for a forester who wants to take care of forest. Even when Gifford Pinchot started things, it's even more important today than back then. And so I don't know what his future will be, but this can't go on forever, this 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 nonsense of, of not understanding who and what we are in relationship to the land. And when that confrontation comes, uh, people are going to want their stuff. It's just like in Poland and Germany. People are not going to go cold this winter. If they have to get in their car or whatever and go down to the local government forest, they're going to take the trees. Right. Yeah. And their hand's going to eventually going to be forced to do something about it. And if if we were... uh, uh, if in fact, which I hope, I doubt that they will, but I would hope that if our forest uh, task force that's been formed here would get their act together, you would hope that we could avoid that yeah. and say in a, in a crisis there's a forest where we can go get all the wood you need, but you need to do it this way. Without that, people are not going to go cold. <laughs> They're going to wake up and say, I don't care how many forest police are down there, we're going to go get our stuff. Well, Bob, unfortunately, we are out of time, and we're going to have to have you on again, but thank you for taking the time tonight. Okay, I hope I added some value. Absolutely, and have a good night. You too. Good to talk to you. Nice to talk to you too. If you missed the show, that was uh, New Jersey Forester Bob Williams, and up next is Happy Quick. Have a good night. Good night, everyone. For his castle was a hallway, and the bottle was his friend. And the old man stumbled in from the forest. Up a dark and dingy staircase, the old man made his way. His ragged coat around him as upon his cot he lay. And he wondered how it happened that he'd ended up this way. Getting lost like a fool. And as he lay there sleeping, the 
it appear Upon his mantle shining The face of one so dear Who'd loved him in the springtime Of a long forgotten year 